All Saints Day. I kind of mentioned that at the beginning of the uh, service. This is a day that we set aside every year at the beginning of November to remember all the members of our congregation who have died in faith over the past year. And so after the sermon, we'll do what we always do on All Saints Day. We'll say the names of those members who have passed away in this past year. We'll toll the bell once for each one of them. And we're also today kicking off a sermon series that we'll be doing throughout the month of November called Hope in the Face of Death. And it's a series really about what theologians call last things. So that's kind of a big, broad topic in theology, last things. But basically what it means is we're looking at ends. We're looking at the ends of things, the ends of our earthly life, and also the end of the world as we know it, to quote R.E.M., I guess. So individual ends and global ends as well. And, and so these next two weeks, we'll be talking more about individual ends. This week, we're talking about the question, where do we go next after this life is over? In other words, what happens when you die? And then next week, we're going to talk about where our lives are going, what the purpose of our lives here and is, and maybe a good way to think of it is, what's the legacy that we leave? Then Pastor Brandon will take the two weeks after that, and he'll be talking about the more global stuff. Where is history going? Where do we all end up in the end? Today, though, we're looking at the question, where do we go next? And to do that, we're going to take a look at Revelation chapter 7. And Revelation chapter 7, our, our first reading for today, uh, is really a glimpse into heaven, one of the rare ones in Scripture. The thing is, though, <clears throat> to understand where our journey is headed, it's very, very helpful for us to also understand the beginning of the, of the journey because our road to the next step and what the next step is, is all a result of where that journey began. And what I'm talking about is your baptism. You as Christians, that's where your individual faith journey begins, at least for most of us. And with that in mind, as we think about baptism, uh, one of the things we'll discover is we you actually have a lot more in common with those who have died in faith than you might think to begin with, those people who are in heaven, those names that we're going to read today. I mean, for one thing, your baptism means that in a way, you're already dead. And here's what the catechism says. Here's what I mean. Um, oh, I thought I had it turned on. Maybe not. There we go. <laughs> Uh, so this is from the Catechism. If you went through confirmation here, you probably had to memorize this at one point. So these will be familiar words. Let's read them together. What does such baptizing with water indicate? It indicates that the old Adam in us should, by daily contrition and repentance, be drowned and die with all sins and evil desires, and that a new man should daily emerge and arise to live before God in righteousness and purity forever. Baptism indicates the death of the old Adam, the death of the sinful nature, and also the resurrection of a new nature. New people we become in baptism. And what Luther says is that means something every single day for your life. It means that every single day in your life you should be drowning the old Adam with repentance and bringing to life the new person that God made you through daily living in God's righteousness. And in case you thought Luther was just making stuff up in the catechism, here's the very next thing that he says. Let's read this one together too. Where is this written? St. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death 
in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Luther doesn't put this in the catechism, but I kind of wish that he had. The very next verse is, For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will also be united with him in a resurrection like his. I know these words very well, and if you've been to a funeral here at Zion, you probably understand why. We read these words at the beginning of every single funeral to remind us that the people who we bury, the people who go before us in faith, have already been buried with Jesus. They've already been raised to life with Jesus too, so that they too wait for the resurrection. And you've got something in common with them. You too died with Jesus in your baptism. You too were raised with Jesus in your baptism. And that spiritual death and spiritual resurrection that happened to you in the water of baptism, it means something also about your physical death and your physical resurrection. See, because you've died with Jesus, because he received the punishment for your sins in his death, and because you were baptized into that death, according to Romans 6, it means that even though you physically die, you're never going to experience spiritual death because Jesus already experienced that for you on the cross. We're going to look at a couple words from the cross this morning, but one of them, and an important one, remember what he says? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me. Exactly. Why have you turned your back on me, God? That's spiritual death, to be forsaken by God the Father. That's spiritual death, and you're never, ever, ever, ever going to have to go through it because Jesus went through it for you. So baptism is the start. Baptism is the cause because we were baptized into the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's the beginning of the journey, and what are the results? Well, for one thing, it changes how you answer the question, what happens when you die? And this is a pretty obvious answer. You probably all know this. But as Christians, the answer that we give is, well, we go to heaven. So your body stays, and you probably know this already too. You don't have to be to many funerals to figure this out. Your body stays here on earth. At funerals, you usually have a casket. You usually have an urn. You usually have something like that. That's why we have burials. That's why we have creations. Your body stays here. But Scripture says that death is the, 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 the tearing apart of the body and the soul in a way that God never, ever intended. And so your soul goes to heaven. And one thing that it means that you are baptized into the death and the resurrection of Jesus is that baptism, or sorry, that death is different for Christians. That we get to look at, at death differently than everybody else. It's kind of like this. You ever been to the touch tank for the stingrays at the zoo? You bet, yeah, the, the, so you get to put your hand down on the stingrays. I've been to the touch tank once before against my better judgment. And, and the reason I say that is stingrays and I have a little bit of a history. I went to Belize uh, on this week-long study abroad uh, trip with Concordia Seward in a marine biology class. And so we did a lot of, like, observing of, of stuff in the ocean, coral reefs and that kind of stuff. And before I went there, I had never, ever been to the ocean before. Actually, I take that back. I'd been to the ocean before. I'd never swam in the ocean before, ever. I never snorkeled. We practiced in the pool and stuff. So the first day that we went to the ocean, 
I, I'm all excited, right? I got my flippers on, so I'm walking like this out into the water. And I, I, I'm walking, this beautiful lagoon, you know, big, big blue ocean down in Belize. And uh, I'm walking into the water, and I get about five steps in, and all of a sudden, my right foot starts to sting like I've never felt before in my life. And it hurts so bad that I just collapsed in the water where I was and kind of, you know, inched my way back up to the shore to figure out what was going on. We figured out what happened was that I had stepped on something called a yellow stingray that was down in the, uh, in the sand that had never happened before on any study abroad semester ever. <laughs> never happened to anybody else on the entire trip. But of course, it happened to me. <laughs> I did get to go swim. I get, did get to do the rest of the trip and everything, not before having my leg looked at for a while. But all that is to say, I don't like the touch tank very much at the zoo. <laughs> because stingrays and I have a little bit of a history. I did go to the touch tank, though, because I found out something about the touch tank. At the touch tank, they, they trim the stinger of the stingray. So it's like clipping a fingernail, is what they say, and they trim off this, the barb, they call it, of the stingray, so that they can't sting you. Still the same animal, still, but without the sting. And that's what death is like for Christians. It's still the same thing that happens to everybody else. It's still the enemy. It's still not a good thing. It's still not what God intended for his creation. But because of your baptism, death doesn't have the sting of the wrath of God. In fact, Paul says it exactly that way. Let's read this one together. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Death is different for Christians. See, because of your baptism, God is going to bring something good out of something bad, just like he did on the cross, by the way. The death of the Son of God is not a good thing. It's only called Good Friday because God brings out of that the salvation of the entire world. See, for a Christian, death doesn't mean facing the wrath of God. It means moving on to something better because God brings good things out of bad things. That something better, of course, is heaven, and that's what your baptism means. But the next question usually for us is, well, okay, what's that like? What's it like to be in heaven? And that's often, honestly, a question that we ask when we've lost loved ones. So we ask things like, where are they now? What are they doing? Are they okay? And we tend to answer questions like that really with our experience here on earth. We tend to answer that with uh, some of the most beautiful things we can usually think of people doing here on earth. I was listening to a podcast once and they were talking about explaining death to kids. And, uh, and what this one person says was that, that she's a mom and she was explaining the death of a grandparent to kids. And she said, well, grandpa has gone to be with heaven and he's up there sailing with God because, of course, Grandpa loved to sail. And it's a nice idea, and I think we tend to default to stuff like that, but I think we've just misplaced it a little bit. I think what we're talking about there is new creation stuff. It's probably all stuff that is going to be true in the new creation because we're looking at a world an awful lot like the one that we live in right now. But when the Bible talks about heaven... It talks about it a little differently. But, and by the way, Scripture actually talks an awful lot more about new creation than it does about what we call the interim state, 
the, the time between when you die here on earth and when you're resurrected on the last day. It doesn't talk a whole lot about heaven or what heaven is like. But when it does talk about it, what it talks about is it talks about the soul being away from the body. 2 Corinthians 5 is a great place to go for that. I won't read it this morning. But it talks about our soul being away from our body. And sometimes that's a little bit hard for us to swallow because we don't have any experience with that. You know, we don't know what that is like. But I would encourage us this morning, instead of focusing on things that we don't know, let's take a look at what we do know about heaven. And here's what we do know about heaven. First of all, Jesus calls heaven paradise, remember? This is another one of the words from the cross. Today, you, he says it to the thief, right? Today you will be with me in paradise. Not after the resurrection, not a long ways down the road. He says, today, right now, you will be with me in paradise. It's heaven that he's talking about there. And those very simple words, today you will be with me in paradise, there's not a whole lot to them, but they tell us an awful lot about what comes next. And we can look at the very, the, some, again, very simple words here. First of all, the word today tells us something. It tells us that heaven is instant. Tells us that it happens right away. Our soul goes to be with Jesus when we die. Life ends here on earth, and it continues uninterrupted in heaven with Jesus. Today you will be with me in paradise. That's the second part. All those names that we read today, all of them, people who are baptized into Christ Jesus, people who died in faith, all those names today, they are with Jesus and I'm going to say a couple other things, but let's stop right there and think, what better place to be, right? I mean, do we need to know more other than we are with Christ? What better place is there to be than with our Savior? We're actually given more. The last thing Jesus says is, today you'll be with me in paradise. Even though we may not really understand or maybe we don't even like the idea that our, that our loved ones, their souls are with Jesus right now, what Jesus says is, whatever heaven is like, it's paradise. And remember, this is a good source. This is the guy who created paradise at the beginning. This is a guy who created the Garden of Eden. This is a guy who created the perfect creation. He's got pretty high standards, and he calls the thing that happens next to us and to all those names we read, all our loved ones who have gone before us in the faith, he calls, us, he calls it paradise. I like to think of it this way. When I imagine my best day on earth, the best day of my life, you know, I can picture a, a couple different things. I go to a couple different uh, memories when I, when I try to think of that. Whatever heaven is and whatever heaven is like, it is better than that day. It is better than whatever day you are picturing. It is better than whatever day your loved ones who have gone before you in the faith would have pictured. That's what paradise means. And that leads us to something else that Scripture says about heaven. We know that in our, because of our baptism, we have great happiness to look forward to. This is Revelation 14, 13. Here's what it says. And again, read this one with me, please. And I heard a voice from heaven saying, Write this, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, that they may rest from their labors for their deeds follow them. Blessed, another way to translate that blessed word is happy are those. There's great happiness, great joy that we look forward to in heaven. And actually, 
our reading from Revelation 7 is a great place for us to get a picture of that. You've done a lot of reading. You've done a great job. I'll read this one for you. Here's what it says. They shall hunger no more, neither shall they thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them by day, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide this, them to springs of living water, and God will wipe every tear from their eyes. See, that picture of heaven shows us someplace with no more tears and with no more needs, with plenty of joy and blessedness and song, and most importantly, Jesus. The sinful nature is gone, and that means not only happiness, but it actually means the other thing that the Spirit says right here. Rest. Great rest. Great peace. The kind of rest and the kind of peace that eludes us here in this life. That rest in peace stuff that they always put on tombstones in cartoons. They're not just making it up. It's actually very, very, very biblical. One last thing. Our baptism means a lot of great stuff. It means a lot of great stuff for what happens next after this life. And it also means that as baptized Christians, we're waiting. And they're waiting too, those who have gone before us in the faith. We're waiting for the resurrection. Those who have died and gone to heaven, they're waiting for the resurrection as well. And again, it might be something that we don't immediately think of, that we don't immediately think this is what happens when you go to heaven. But consider this for just a minute. We may not like the idea of waiting because sometimes it, it uh, sort of implies incompleteness or something like that. But think about this for a minute. It's usually not the waiting that's the problem. It's where you're waiting. For example, anybody ever taken kids with them to the DMV before? Yeah, most of you are saying no. Uh, you are wiser than me because uh, I've done that. And you only do that once because what happens is it's a horrible experience. Everybody's stressed out at the DMV. There's nothing there for kids to do. And so you're waiting while everybody's stressed. You're trying to keep your kids quiet. And everybody over here is trying to take their driver's test. And they're stressed out. And the people behind the desk are stressed out. And you're stressed out. And the kids are loud. It's an awful experience. <laughs> so if you take nothing else out of the sermon today, don't take your kids with you to the DMV. Contrast that, though, with a pediatric dentist that we used to go to. There's this pediatric dentist, and inside his waiting room, it, it was magical. So he had, inside the waiting room, he had this play structure. And there was this the tunnel that kids could climb up, and there's all kinds of stuff inside the tunnel. There was a slide that came down. There's a little pit. There's a little house for them to go into. They had a TV going. My kids loved to go to the dentist, of all places. They didn't actually like the dentist part all that much, but they loved to be there in the waiting room. It's not about the waiting. It's about where you're waiting that's important. And waiting in heaven is a lot like waiting in the, the waiting room for the pediatric dentist. You are waiting. You are looking forward to something. You are anticipating something that's coming. But you're also enjoying what you're doing in the meantime. And that's the great blessing of being a Christian. We're waiting here too. And, and let's be honest, waiting in a sinful world sometimes is a lot more like waiting in the DMV. Because here there is pain and there is suffering and there is tears and there is hurt and there's grief. There's death 
here still in this creation. There's sin here still in this creation. But your baptism means that all that other stuff is yours too. Your baptism means that you're not only already dead, you're also already alive in Christ Jesus. Your baptism means when this life is over and you leave this body, your soul is going to be in the hands of God forever. Your baptism means that every tear you shed while you're waiting here in this creation is a tear that God is going to wipe away from your eyes one day. Your baptism means that on your weariest day, you can look forward to finding rest and peace in Jesus. And your baptism means your resurrection. It means that that's what you're waiting for ultimately. And that means that even in the face of death itself, you and I, we have hope. Amen. And now may the peace of God that passes all understanding guard our hearts and our minds, keeping them steadfast in Christ Jesus. Amen.